I wanna jump and I'm a pinnacle. I wanna hula but the joint too small. Don't think don't know what to do. Got a song in the morning and a bucket bucket for Well, there's no intro literally <laughs> this week. Nope. But Covideos does come back in the strangest of places. It does. Um, we're recording this live uh, on our ten and a half hour drive back right. to our home from Bloomington, Indiana, where we've been visiting the newly minted. You, do you mint? You mint a coin. Yeah, newly, newly cast. Yes. Bronze monument of Captain Catherine Janeway of yes. the USS Voyager, honoring both her and the actress who brought her to life, Kate Mulgrew, yes. in the city of Bloomington, Indiana, the future birthplace of Catherine Janeway. Yes. Uh, it was awesome. Time. Fun time it was. Yeah. Um, the statue looks fantastic. It was really good. It was really, really good. In fact, like, I wish that they had, like, you know, what is it, like, three-tenths of her body. Yeah, right. Yeah. I guess the head's pretty big. Yeah. A person's head is big. Yeah, yes. Facts. Body facts. We yeah. Got. Right. So, like, four-tenths, two-fifths. Something like that. I wish they raised another three-fifths of the money and then just, you know, they could have gone the whole way. Gone the whole way? Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you. So, that would have been awesome. And then we could put a uh, picture of the statue's feet on wiki feet for Kate <laughs> Mulgrew, who may or may not have an entry. But, uh, yeah, uh, just so impressive. Uh, not that I... It's kind of one of those things where you go and, like, oh, my kid's going to be in a play. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and they actually did a really good job. And then the, the kid's, like, really good. Yeah, right. And you're like, I know. And it's like, no, no, you've said that I was good. They go, no, but you don't understand. This is great. <laughs> like, it was, it was really good. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it, for so sure. So I don't know what that says about what I expected, and I don't know what it uh, said. Well, I'm sure my uh, my parents' friends have had that experience many oh, times. Oh, come on. <laughs> but Probably. Now we're just on our own long, trapped in the uh, Indiana quadrant on yes. our own long trip home. That's so right. We're working on that, but in the meantime, we thought that we'd do a little uh, video show because we're so committed you can't stop us no you, you can't stop once you once you pop you can't how do you what's a good way of doing that for co-videos um once you quarantine you can't quarantine yeah right <laughs> Flor- you can't florentine you can't florentine you can't go out to get the spinach there you go it's not gonna be fresh anyway yeah so yeah once you quarantine you can't or whatever I said. Yeah. Uh, what I uh, won the toss. Yes. So we'll be talking about my movie first, which you know puts them in a kind of chronological order. And it's not we don't <laughs> theme things. We don't theme things on co videos, but we did kind of get a uh, double feature of not only uh, thrilling, uh, horrific, uh, spookaroo films, right, but also two modern remakes of classic films. Well, but yours. No, 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 wait, no, yeah. Yours was the original. <laughs> yeah, well. But it was made into a remake. What do I know? <laughs> so, uh, and we can maybe uh, talk about that, I guess. But yeah. my my film was 1985's Fright Night. Yes. Which, well, I mean, I guess you can tell us what it's about. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'm gonna hopefully I'll remember names. I don't know if I will. Charlie 
is this kid, and we're, we don't know where he lives, somewhere in middle America, and, um, Omaha. and, uh, he, um, the house next door has been empty for a while, and some guy moves in, and he, um, he really thinks he's a vampire, and all these things start happening, and he's, like, more and more convinced this guy is definitely a vampire and definitely killing people, and nobody believes him, and, uh, his, you know, his girlfriend doesn't believe him, his mom doesn't believe him, his best friend doesn't believe him. And there's also this guy who does, um, these, like, vampire, closest vampire movie night thing, and he's, like, an actor, <coughs> but he's, like, a, a vampire killer in his actor persona, and, um, he, um, goes to him, and he's like, uh, you believe in vampires, right? And he's like, yes. And he's like, well, I got one living next door to me, I need you to help me kill him. And he's like, no, screw did you. Did you say this guy? Did you call Peter Vincent this guy? I did, because I couldn't remember his name. Peter Vincent, yes, who is not this guy in any way. He's, he's, he's quite the presence. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, um, they, they, they do eventually, um, uh, so they confront the guy, and they, they confront the vampire, who has like a, a, a roommate? It's a weird situation. <laughs> hey, times we'll, are tough. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but um, uh, they initially, Peter Vincent is like, "Oh, this is this is not a real vampire guy." So I'll give him holy water, and it's it's not real. But then discovers he actually is a vampire. Um, lots of different things happen, and they 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 do team up and kind of work together to try to vanquish. <laughs> vampire threat. Okay. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie is by Tom Holland, who was a uh, writer, creator, wrote and directed this. Uh, he's not somebody who did a lot of stuff, and he, he's not, I mean, he's alive, I think, but he's not really, like, doing stuff now, but he was just one of those, in, in my mind, he's like, you know, like, John Carpenter, like, just made a bunch of amazing movies, never really got a lot of respect. Yeah. He just kept doing it yeah. and, and probably would do it now but he's got a tour with his like synth band <laughs> that's kind of like Tom Holland like he just came up with a lot of neat ideas you know put a lot of blood sweat and tears into kind of low budget you know productions sure and um, and I don't know produced some really interesting stuff and um, he made one of my favorite movies when I was a kid um, Cloak and Dagger uh, starring okay the kid from Flight of the Navigator, who was one of my favorite actors when... He was one of the first actors that I went like, oh, I, I understand that like he's an actor. Sure. He's not that kid who just shows up and stuff. Like, yeah. he's a kid who's an actor. And, um, sad story. Still around, but not, not doing great. But oh. That's the way it goes. And then da- and he is, um, doing another film now that we, that we yeah, can just do right, on the show. Right, right. But, uh, but he, anyway, uh, he's a kid who, who has a, like a fantasy life. He plays like role-playing games. And his hero is um, Jack. Oh, shoot, I can't remember his name, but Jack something. And and uh, it's like this character who's based on his dad, played by Dabney Coleman. Anyway, enough talking about that film. <laughs> that was 1986 for Disney. This is Fright Night from 1985. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I um I actually saw. I actually hadn't seen this, which is why we're talking about it. I hadn't it. seen it either. Yeah. <laughs> and I had seen the remake yep. before I had seen this. Mm-hmm. Me too. And we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. Um, I liked it, but I will say, it took a while to get going. Yes. It takes a while to get going. It does. Maybe in 1985, 
a kid who, uh, you know, thinks he's, he's neighbors a vampire, and then like, whoa, 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 how are we gonna get get this all rolling? Yeah. Um, maybe that was like really new, but not for me, and not for a guy who saw the remake. And so I'm right. like, let's get this thing going here. Right. And when it starts going, it's going. Yeah. Right. And it was uh, it was very enjoyable. Yes. Um, something I like about this film is it is chock full of. And no offense to Chris Sarandon, Humperdinck, who plays the vampire. Yes, right. It is chock full of people who are just not movie stars. What about... You will never see them anywhere else. Peter Vincent. <laughs> what about just jumping to the end? Why oh, construct a, a bit when you can just have somebody blurt out and stuff? But then it stars the consummate movie star, who also was in a bunch of TV Planet of the Apes movies, uh, Roddy McDowell. Yeah. The classic Roddy McDowell He's an actor. He's Roddy McDowell. <laughs> and he is perfect in this role, playing, uh, you know, a version of a hammer horror yeah. actor, basically. Although, this is something else that you need to know about the film for it to work, is that they used to have, they still do in some places, but it used to be pretty de rigueur that you would have, like, a Friday or a Saturday night, you know, scary movie. Or, like, okay. a sci-fi movie. I didn't know that. And you would present them. That's where, uh, like, the tradition of MST3K comes from. It was already kind of dying out when they started to do this thing where they come out and they do a, a host segment. And sure. then you throw to the film. And then you have to have commercials. So, like, you break the, the film up into commercials and go back to the host. And maybe they're doing something. And you've got, you know, Vampira, Elvira. Gotcha. Uh, Spanguli, okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, you'll see um, them doing this. I remember that I used to um, stay over. We didn't really have that all that much in uh, where I grew up, but my aunt and uncle lived in Chicago. We would stay with them sometimes. And it was a situation where you didn't have to like sleep on the floor in your parents' room. My right. aunt and uncle always had huge houses, so I would be in some wing of the house. And also they had cable TV. Right. And so whenever I went stayed uh, with them, they lived in Chicago, so I'd watch WGN. And I would see Sven Gulli late at night. Sure, and okay. Sven Gulli was just really scary for some reason to me. I don't know why. But also <laughs> the movies that he would play were scary as well. So it's just that it's that kind of thing. Was that like kind of the idea, one of the ideas behind the Crypt Keeper as well? I mean, I know like the movies, quote unquote, that he shows are just part of the TV show. They're not like movies from somewhere no, else. No, it's an anthology type thing. And you yeah. had that in the, started in the comic book, you know. Yeah. see comic book he would introduce whatever hapless souls are going to get into whatever they get into but so anyway okay. neither here nor there um, that's a tradition that doesn't exist much anymore um, and I'm not saying it needs to come back but it's just sort of that's what this is rooted in although it's a little sad that Peter Vincent has to introduce his own movies <laughs> here's a movie I was in before I, uh, I became a small uh, market TV <laughs> introducer guy I know right <laughs> But anyway, yeah. Yeah. He seems to enjoy it, though. So. Yeah. Um, and I like how we get him into this thing. And I like the fact that they've got Roddy McDowell, who is absolutely taking this seriously. The hero, Charlie, is... He's good enough for a dumb hero, but he is just <laughs> a, kind of a blank. Uh, yeah. And, like, I think that the... I don't... We, we can't look any of this up, and I'm not really a horror buff, so I can't tell you who any of these people are. Yeah. But... The kid that plays Evil Ed, yeah. he really comes alive when they put the makeup on him. Before yeah, that, yeah, he's just kind of right. like a just a weird kid in a, like a low budget movie. Yeah, fine. Yeah, but 
he's clearly like very comfortable and he like once he becomes like a vampire or a dog boy or whatever like vampire he, werewolf he really whatever, takes yeah. off yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the girl that played Amy was uh, was fine I feel yeah. like I've seen her in other stuff okay uh, but yeah she was okay what do you think of Chris Sarandon as Humper Vampire Humper Fire Humper Fire um, yeah he did a he did a great job lots of uh, smoldering um, yeah, he's a yeah. He brought he brought the smolder. I think it's a, I I don't know if we were just more comfortable with this sort of thing in the eighties. I think it's a little uncomfortable that like he's going after an underage girl. Um, <laughs> well, who apparently looks like one of the many women that he has depicted in oil paintings around his home. Yeah, Amy shouldn't be too flattered. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they show us at least two other paintings. Here's the real question. Did Scorsese steal this idea for... Or not Scorsese, sorry. Coppola steal this idea for... Oh, yeah. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Possibly, yes. I could actually see that. Yeah. Elizabeth, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, right. Um, yeah, he brought the smolder. He was a good get for them. Um, I, I think I, so. I'm not super familiar with him so, in his career, so I don't know like what he could else he could have been doing, but he didn't want to do movie initially and then he read it and was like oh no this is more an int- it's not just blah blah you know it's right. not uh, what uh, Duncan uh, what's his name is doing on uh, uh, Monster Squad right right <laughs> you know? right, right. Uh, which right. was after this but uh, yes. but he liked the idea of no this guy's just a dude he's also a vampire but yeah. he's like hey what's up and he likes to eat a lot of apples and he, yeah uh, that's probably like a metaphor or something but <laughs> But yeah, he likes, he just, you know, he likes uh, clothes that uh, feature every style of neck uh, <laughs> accompaniment you could have. Yeah. Uh, he wears yeah. a, the, the, a collared shirt, a, a, a non-collared shirt, you know, the straight collar. Yes. He wears a sweater. He wears a turtleneck sweater. He wears a crew neck sweater. Yeah. He wears a scoop neck sweater. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, a lot of neck stuff going on uh, for he good likes, reason. He uh, likes red scarves. Yeah. Um. And uh, he actually suggested to Holland um, that we they add the thing to, to not only give him, to make him sympathetic, but also to give Amy more to do. It's like, what if we added this thing where he sees her and he's like, oh, this is some you know, reincarnation of some lost love or whatever. That was okay. his idea. But, okay. Well, um, I mean, I think it's a good add. It's just like the age difference is a little weird, but then you take into account... Yeah, this vampire who knows how old he is, and like. Did you get the feeling that he was really old? He seems kind of youngish, but I think he's been around for a while. Like all the antiques he has. That's yeah. He's got a lot of junk. Yeah, Yeah. he's got a lot of stuff. And his roommate, what is up with his roommate? So, Um, (laughs) so. um, I can't remember the roommate's name. Yeah, we don't really know. Okay. He doesn't seem like a vampire. But yet he's. But yet, you shoot him with a bullet multiple times in the face. In the face. <laughs> he doesn't die. And he doesn't die. And he's got instead of blood, he's got like green slime and which, ooze. Which I just don't really know and what sand. that is. Full of sand. Yeah, and they stake him through the heart, and and he dies. So is he a vampire? <laughs> is he a slime vampire? Like. Stakes in general are um, high, but also ineffective. In yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But he can walk around in the day, so I don't think he is a vampire. Yeah. So, I don't know. Something else. But it's uh, mystical, magical. And it's just like, if this was done 
if, if they added the element into the remake, which I don't think they did, I don't think he, uh, Colin Farrell had a roommate uh, in the remake. I don't but, remember. Uh, but if they did, like, maybe they would make them, like, lovers, because it almost seems like that's what's going on. So, that was the subtext that Holland intended. Oh, okay. And uh, that's what I've heard in interviews and um, they, they, but he never meant to like really hit the gas on it, he just wanted to I see. suggest that this guy, like you said had been around for a while and was you know, open to a lot of stuff uh-huh. and Sarandon disagreed I think, or they later had said well I didn't really interpret it that way but it's it's Tom's movie and you know, we just kind of played it the way that we did so huh. um, this is at times a very scary movie. Yeah. But not generally. <laughs> no, it tends to be a little goofier and like it's goofy. It's goofy. Um, we'll just mention right now that the um, the guy that worked on the special effects and I cannot remember his name, but uh-huh. he did work on Ghostbusters. Okay. He actually came off of Ghostbusters onto this. So that's all the goop and uh, the, the Zool creature like there the is end. a Zool creature yeah. like um, Upper Dink vampire. Like Maybe it's a reuse like, yeah. of Zool. I don't know. Yeah, like kind of looks like Zool a little bit. But uh, yeah, but um, so uh, don't remember where I was going. But here, but I'm also I'm not going to drive over that piece of wood. Uh, and so uh, um, um, they they had that, and it's spooky. Off of Ghostbusters, yes. But it's almost more of an erotic. Yes, I would agree film, with that <laughs> because yes, there are sequences between. You know, Chris, well, between Amy and uh, Charlie, between Amy and uh, the vampire, yes. between the vampire and his roommate, uh, <laughs> that go on for a long time. Yeah. There's a thing in films, everybody knows it because we all feel it, where you're like, oh, this, is, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah, right, right. And like the seduction on the dance floor at the club scene yes. is one of those things. It's like, we get it. She's in his thrall. Yeah, right, I know. Jeez, this is going on for so long. Uh, it's just a little uncomfortable, too, because, like, they're not even dancing for that long, and he just, like, grabs her leg from underneath her skirt. It's like, whoa! Like, I don't necessarily And then she gets down on her knees, be... and she's like, I gotta get in those pleats. I know, and I'm like, what, did you get, whoa! Did you get these pants from a from a zoot-suited gangster? That's <laughs> some blousey pleats and your cable-knit sweater. It's his looking, going out look. Looking hot. Going out to the... It looks, the, looks good, though. The, the club slash restaurant that yeah. they jumped in the window of. So I thought that was strange. Um, the tone is all over the place. And then there's, like, of course, you hire Roddy McDowell, who's going to take this super seriously. And so you've got right. scenes. It actually it really slows the pace down because he is attacked by Ed once Ed becomes a vampire. Yes. This is, like, an hour into the film. Right. And so this whole time, Roddy McDowell's just been kind of, like skipping around and then finally he's like oh my god all it's all real and he's terrified so he's hiding his apartment then they gotta get him out of his apartment yeah it's like a lot of this I think could be to spread through the action of the film I think it's something that the remake does we're getting to it yeah but there's the one scene that they clearly wanted and was very important where he wounds Ed in his wolf form fatally yes and then Ed just is this child that just dies in front of this old man and you see Roddy McDowell watch this kid die and go through like oh my god I killed somebody I had to do it 
it's all real. This is what I have to do now. I am this vampire yes, hunter. Yes, you see and all also, those emotions. Yeah, and also just like, if only there was a way to save him. And it's just like, whoa, he's putting on a master class. <laughs> um, oh, like we said God. before, uh, yeah, the effects are very impressive and very creative. Um, you got to have a, oh my God, I'm stretching out, you know, post- American Werewolf, everybody's got to have a... Right. Oh, I'm transforming. Yes, yeah. And, and I thought theirs worked pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is one scene early on where um, uh, Charlie uh, stabs a vampire uh, through his hand with a pencil, which I guess is supposed to be oh, like yeah, a yeah. mini wooden stake. Um, and I, we were watching it, and you were like, how did they do that? I don't know. They, have, they I don't have, know. have a hand, like, It starts, because he stabs, you know... A point down through the back of his hand. Yeah. Which uh, is it because it's a wood impalement? I'm not sure why. I'm not That's something sure. else about uh, Sarandon's portrayal is that he's so camp sometimes, but yeah. then he's also like so flat, pumpernick sometimes. Yes. That when he is actually being affected by something, I'm not sure if he's goofing or not. <laughs> so you thought he was goofing at first. So like you were like what? Roddy, Roddy McDowell pulls out the cross, and the problem is that like Roddy McDowell, I guess you have to have faith in yourself. Or faith in the cross, like in, like in, but it's like, in Christ or something right, like that? Right, yeah, you think that you need faith in Christ, right? Or whatever your thing is. In the X-Men, the X-Men fight Dracula a couple times, and Kitty is able to repel him with her Star of David because she's a devout Jew. It's just whatever... I see. It, 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 that's the X-Men rules, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, Peter Vincent holds his cross up, and he's like... Oh, it doesn't work. I don't. You don't need to have faith. Yeah, right, right, right. And then <laughs> dumb Charlie, his Adam's apple, holds his uh, Adam's apple and his cross out, and he's like, "Oh!" And you're like, "Wait, is that real now?" I know. <laughs> so I thought that was a little confusing. Um, a little bit. But anyway, uh, he um, uh, 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 stabs somebody through the hand. Through the hand. He and says, then, yeah. And then he turns around, and his back's to the camera, but we see the point. He pulls the point. With his palm up, yeah, and pulls the pencil and pulls it all the way through his hand. Yes, and I'm like, did you get a guy with a hole in his hand? How did you do that? I know. Like, did, did they make a fake hand just so they could do that? With but a hole? but once he but he once he's done, he, he closes like, his hand it. into yeah. a fist and yeah. turns around and it's yeah. that is a person's hand. Yeah. So I don't know how they did that. No, I'm I don't sure know. you can look it up, but <laughs> it's uh, very impressive. Yeah, uh, that was cool. What else? Um, uh, oh, at the end, um, it's so like Amy and Charlie, they're, they're kind of fighting throughout this movie and like getting back together and stuff like that. Cause he's like really distracted by this vampire thing. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't believe him, but then she does. And, and then like, she kind of, kind of hooks up with Humperdinck, but not really. Uh, and then, but then, like, her and Charlie are, are making out at the end, and everything's fine. Everything's back the way it was. Okay, kids, whatever. Yeah. And, um, Charlie thinks he sees something next door, and then he's like, nah. And then we close out, and we hear, we see, um, red eyes, and we hear, um, evil Ed. Right. So, so Which, it's like seeing that he's still alive. Maybe we can, yeah, he probably is. Uh, maybe we can dev 12, you have to watch Fright Night Part 2. Oh, okay. Which does exist. Um, maybe we can connect it to the remake now, because I don't remember if 
McLovin comes back at the end of the remake. I'm sure he probably does. But I'm sure it's probably just, you know, they pan a, uh, uh, Chekhov and uh, Imogen Poots are making out. And they yeah. pan out of the window. And right. we'll see, you know, McLovin in the tree. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're so cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's fine. And that's what a, that's a easy shot. That's a filmmaker shot. But I like the fact that Tom Holland's like, no. What I want is a pair of glowing eyes. Yes. Give me that. Yes. So get two Christmas lights. <laughs> paint <laughs> them red. Yeah. And it's so simple, but it's the atmosphere of what he wants that makes, uh, I think, so many of the scary, cool things in this work. Yeah. There are a lot of other things that he does not care about, and they are very... TV B movie and they don't really work. Like a lot of the conversation scenes are like kind of very boringly sort of shot. And yeah. Like, yeah that's, that's not what we're here for. Yeah. But I, I like the fact that he was like, no, I want this and I want to kind of pull a pencil through his hand and I want this. And all those parts work really great. Let's yeah. talk about Fright Night 2011 so we don't have to do it on this show ever, ever again. Okay. Um, remember watching it? Uh, yes. Hopefully I remember it super well. I don't know. Colin Farrell is Jerry yeah. the Vampire. Yep. And I know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Tennant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you jump right to the end. Okay. Right to the end she All goes, right. everybody. Just let the host host it. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, um, David Tennant plays a Chris Angel-type magician, and yes. I gotta say, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. I almost think, not that, like, Chris Angel magic replaced late-night movies in mm-hmm. public consciousness, right. but it's a good idea, yes. and he plays it to the hilt. He does. Although he's... He's got what? What are his characters? Nice Doctor Who. Yes. Serial killer. Yeah. And kind of gothy. Yeah, uh, right, right. Maybe alone guy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. maybe his range isn't that great. But uh, yeah, he is great as that. I feel like they. It's one of those things where, what do you want out of a movie? Do you want like a guy pulling a pencil through his hand, or do you want a story that hits? the requisite amount of beats you know so every every 12 minutes something happens right I feel like you get that I feel like they quote unquote fixed the script of Fright Night so that things work yes. a little better uh, and Charlie's not just a raging asshole that you immediately hate because his girlfriend won't put out somehow when like Anton Yelchin goes oh man I, you know I just kind of want to I care about you and I want to sleep with you somehow that that works even though it's pretty much the same thing as like you never put out I know come on we've been going together for a year yeah um what else uh, Chris Smith's Platt's uh, McLovin is, is good as Evil Ed I think it really works yes something that's funny about the structure of the movie is that I think I talked about this um well, after we after we turned it off but it's you've got a TV guy yeah who hunted vampires for a living Yes. On film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he finds out that they're real. Right. And then dot, dot, dot. And usually the dot, dot, dot would be he finds out that, like, the, all the things that we know don't work. Like, right. mirrors don't work. Sunlight crosses or whatever. There are Snakes. different rules. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, we use the fact that he has that knowledge to to defeat them. Yes. And they... They don't really do that because everybody knows the things that Peter Vincent knows about vampires. Right. So it's almost like they they have a meta kind of thing, but they don't know what meta is because it's 1985 and they don't know how to exploit it. Even Even Evil Ed, he's the the expert, right? So you should go to him 
and he knows what to do and how to defend yourself like the Frog Brothers in Lost Boys. Yes, right. But they don't and Evil Ed is the first one to go down. I know. <laughs> so, it's just like, I, th- there's an aspect of his character where he is jealous of Charlie because is cool or whatever, but th- they play more on that than uh, him having some great solution because he is a wannabe vampire hunter. I just thought right, that was right. It is interesting. But anyway, they keep that going in, uh, in Fright Night. Uh, Tony Collette, even though that movie is 10 years old, is still playing the harried mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> something, something crazy is happening. Yes. Uh, someday she'll be too old to play the mom. I don't know. We'll see. Well, um, well like, in the I, original, the mom just kind of yeah, disappears. She's not a factor. She's just, like, she's a big part of the beginning part of the movie, and then she's just gone. She's a cool mom, though. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think I... Boy, I, I think it's apples and oranges. Like I didn't hate the the remake. I thought it was okay. I liked the remake. But I like um, I like Colin Farrell's Jerry because I feel like yeah. Chris Sarandon's Jerry is like we said, fascinating to look at, alluring, yeah. yes, and attractive, and also just weird. He's like, welcome to Fright Night. I know. For real. <laughs> like, why that reading? That's what I want to know. <laughs> but Colin Farrell comes in and he delivers his Colin Farrell stuff, which is, I'm hot, I'm also hypnotic, you can't look away, but I've got like a leather bracelet, and I'm like, yes. kind of like a, oh, that, that guy, you know, probably works at a bar. And, right, right. And he's always bringing ladies home. Yes. And it's a little more believable. <laughs> why, why do vampires always get women into like, they get their bras off. And then they bite them to death. <laughs> like what? I that, that really <laughs> struck me about this. Movie that combined in with the roommate is like, are you gonna have sex with them? Or like, yeah, right. I'm not like, judging. Yeah, it's like it, it almost made me feel like. If you not play with your food. Right. It almost made me feel like he maybe he just likes the way women's blood tastes more, but like he doesn't want to actually have sex with them. Well, only the energy um, of young girls. Can. Yeah, right. Uh, and maybe it tastes better if, if their endorphins are going. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I thought you were going to do um, the, uh, what we do with the shadows bit. You know, about how, like, well, we eat virgins because if it's like a sandwich. You'd enjoy that sandwich more if you knew someone didn't have sex with it. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, no, but that's a good one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did think that that was weird. Like, you would think that being a vampire and, and being so sensual... You would want to maybe you're have, beyond sex yeah but you would just think you would want to have sex with your victim then bite them or you know bite them during you know what i mean so you're i don't know it, no sex is just the lure it's to get, but yeah but they have to be hot chicks for some reason although he can right. also drink evil ed's blood so whatever yeah um i'd recommend it yeah i would too like i said it's kind of weird and it takes a little bit to get going, but it's absolutely worth it once yes. it does. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. What was your too. film? Um, my film was uh, 1991's Cape Fear. So the remake, Martin Scorsese's remake of Cape Fear. Ah, uh, yes. Scorsese making Cape Fear. Yes. Ever since I can remember, I always wanted to have Robert De Niro's thumb in my mouth. <laughs> I know. Um, 1991. Uh, let me give it to you. Nick Nolte is a Southern prosecutor, your honor. <laughs> and he lives a life that, this is 91, but he lives that life, that good life of 80s excess. Yeah. Uh, his wife has a dumb job, like, designing, you know, logos or something she like that. like, marketing. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. they, they both have lives of, you know, 
no real consequence. Yeah. <laughs> Except for, I guess, they find out that the law can have a consequence. And then yes. they have a daughter, Juliet Lewis. Oh, sorry. Jessica Lang's the wife. Juliet Lewis is the, uh, the precocious uh, daughter. Yes. Uh, 16 going on 17 type thing. And they, um, yeah, they live in the South. And their lives are going to be shattered because Max Cady, played by Robert De Niro, is a psychopathic felon who uh, Nick Nolte defended 14 years ago in a rape case. Uh, They lost that case, uh, and Robert De Niro uh, went to jail for 14 years. And he got a lot of tattoos. He got friendly with the old ballpoint homemade tattoo. Yes. And and he he wants payback. Yep. So he stalks the family. He um, psychologically sort of, you know, messes with them one by one, interferes with their lives, sort of drives them, pits them against each other, and finally comes to uh, to take to take his reward. To take his reward. Right. Um. Based on a 1966 movie. Yes. Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck in the Nolte role, or you know, vice versa. Right. Right. And Robert Mitchum. In the uh, Robert Nero role, fun, just fun little thing. Uh-huh. We kind of flip, flip sides, flip turned upside down. And in the remake, Robert Mitchum plays a police lieutenant that Nick Nolte reaches out to for help, uh. and Gregory Peck plays the Southern lawyer, yes. who is a kind of scummy lawyer that gets uh, Robert De Niro, you know, well, gets him out of a restraining order and, and basically yeah. like flip turns the tables on Nick Nolte. Yeah. That was a nice nod to the original. Well, I guess if you make it and it's super classic and why you're remaking it, I think Scorsese was aware of that. Uh, And and the leads are alive. Then, you know, throw them in there. Yeah. Um, It's not like it's Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. I know. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Um, This is a really messed up film. It's very intense. Um, You do not root for Max Cady. Um, no. Uh, Do you think it would be different? Well, it would be different or better if you felt Max Katie's pain more? Because, I mean, like, we can understand, like, lost time and going to jail, but almost yeah. immediately it is brutally confirmed explicitly that he is a violent rapist murderer. Yeah, right. And so, you know, he should have been. But I think you can be put to death for rape in North Carolina. Um, so it's a capital crime. So he yeah, maybe he should have sh- been put to death. He maybe probably should never have gotten out of jail at the very least. Yeah. Because he is a horrible person who, I don't know, it seems like he's, he gets like, he wastes, talk about wasting no time. This movie starts right away. Like we see Max get out of jail right away and right away starts stalking Nick Nolte and his family. Yeah. Um, like, no... I, I don't know. He knows where he lives, obviously. He knows where he works. And, like... He knows what time the fireworks show is. Yeah. And, like... That just goes on and on and on. It goes on. It's like, it's like really the end late. of the world. And, like... And who... who? Okay, I guess they were, like, doing it, right? Yes. And, you know, so it's like, all right, we're wrapping up the night. Kind of, kind of sleepy. But, like, who... Maybe they're romantic fireworks, but they're in bed. Like, they're asleep. I know. And outside the window... They're still going. Yeah, it's the uh, Star Spangled Banner, so I I don't know. I don't know, are we supposed to think that they have sex for like 10 minutes or something like that, and the fireworks are somehow still going? 
Ooh. What are we supposed to do? Ah, yeah, right. Here comes the big finale. Yeah, right. Uh, it's stylized. This whole movie is is stylized beyond the level of normal Scorsese stylization. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of Scorsese things. There are a lot of like push-ins and whip pans and, and things like that. Sure, um, yeah. But he even uses like a diopter at one point. Like I think he's trying to to evoke the uh, thriller films of the 50s and 60s. I think he does do that. Uh, yeah, he does it so much that it's like, we, we get it. Marty, calm down. <laughs> we get it. I think it's, and, and the colors are like oversaturated and very lurid, yes. which I think, you know, of course you couldn't have in a black and white thriller, mm-hmm. but I think that based on like the pulps, you know, from the uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s, like the, they would have definitely wanted the colors to look like that if they could afford to use Technicolor, you know, on uh, I Married an Axe Murderer. Or sure, yeah. Um, and just, I think everything is just set up to make you feel very unsettled, like, right from the very beginning. Like, he goes to, he somehow figures out what movie they're going to go to. Yeah, Problem Child. They go see Problem Child. Okay. Yeah, which I, I've never seen. Um, and then he's, like, smoking a cigar through it and just being irritating. And then they go out for ice cream. He follows them, buys the family's ice cream. Like, he is beyond, like, he, he wants him to know right away, I got my eye on you, buddy. Like, there there is no, I mean, yeah, maybe it is a cat and mouse game, but it's, like, he, he wants him to be aware of what is going on. Yeah, well, it's more like, I got my eye on you, counselor. And then Nicole's like, ah, oh God, ah, oh God damn it, he's got his eye on me. Ah, oh shit. I know, that is, that, yes. I don't have a Jessica Lang. <laughs> there are some weird things in here, and I think they are things that are specific to. Okay, confession time. Haven't seen the first one. I haven't either. Maybe Probably we should have watched the first one. Doubled up, but we don't yeah, do that. No. Um,. And so, like, you can say, well, oh, the husband has been, you know, he's known to have affairs with the wife, so that's part of their distrust. Yeah, but that seems Or to be in this, they can have, like, a giant, like, adult argument where they're both stabbing cigarettes at each other and, and saying the F word a million times. Yeah. Um, and then, like, probably there's a scene where Robert Mitchum's like, Hey, I'm your new drama teacher, you know? Don't do what your parents say all the time. Yeah, right. Or you can go, oh, let's have a really weird scene, you know, where it's kind of weirdly sexy, but yeah, but it's not sexy. But it's not sexy because I'm, uh, how, how, how old was Robert De Niro supposed to be, character supposed to be in this? Like, 40? Sure. Something like that. And she's, like, 15. Like, she's not even 16 yet. Like, that's well, Julia, set. Julia Hosen was 18. Actually, yeah. when they were shooting, uh, she might have been uh, 17. Yeah, but, it, it, you know, it's obviously a, a, a predator, but he's doing it in a, such a way, he's seducing her in such a way that to make her feel as if it's her idea or she's in on it. Right. You know, which is just, right. it's beyond diabolical. Right, and I'll say, this is... Um, there, there's a lot of overacting in this. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I feel like it's solid overacting, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because um, everybody's good in this. Yeah, uh, I would agree. 
and you know, and I and I think De Niro might among a bunch of great performances might be like the worst great performance. I think his performance is great, but I think that you know he can play like a ranting psycho in anything. Yeah. But Jessica Lange uh, playing this you know woman who I don't it's it's hard to tell because I you know I I she. It's already there. Like, the husband's infidelities. Yes. Then moving is one of the reasons. Uh, the, uh, uh, the infidelity is one of the reasons just to get out of the situation that they were in. Yeah, right. And so as we join it, there's... This is thin ice. There's something under there. Yes. And then that starts coming out. Um, and she and she does this a lot. Oh, she, she's got short hair, but she grabs the back of her hair. <laughs> so not number one. Let's just skip to number one. Yeah. Juliette Lewis is great in this. Yeah, she is. And I think she's always been a great actress. Yeah. I don't think that she's always asked to do uh, a lot. But she's great in, like, uh, uh, Natural Born Killers. You know, this is right around the time that she I've was... I've never seen that. ...becoming Juliette Lewis. Yeah, I should maybe put that on my list. But the, 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 the subtlety that she brings to it as somebody, like you said, who... Nero is, or his character is trying to make it seem like it's her idea, and yeah. in some ways she's like happy for the attention. Yes, but I, also I think that's a big part of you feel her uncertainty, and yes. later on she kind of breaks down under the thing because, like, when her dad is yelling at her, you can tell that like I feel like she feels like it's not right, but she's convinced herself this is cool that her greasy-haired drama teacher right. is into her. Right, right, right. And then she also gets the extra sort of facet of being kind of a hero that saves the family yes. at the end. When the movie goes off the rails... Yeah. Oh, my God. Technically, like, this movie technically is about like, the idea of us putting our faith in God and the law and someone trying to play God and the, the, a little act like that, you know, throwing a police report away, can have a butterfly effect, right? Ostensibly, it's, a, it's about that, and it's about contemplating, like, the authority that man has over other men, and what yeah. we agree to. But screw that, let's have a big boat crash instead. I know. Like, it just becomes, like, they basically storm. defeat him, and the movie kind of could have ended there, and then we get, like, a... And he, like, reverses out of the water and grabs the rope, and then suddenly he's back on somehow, and he's yelling at... He, somehow he's overpowered him. We don't even see it. And he's like, do you agree that the sum of that... And a council must have fucking was out. And it's rah, 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 rah. And they're, and they're arguing. They're having this, you know, screaming lawyer argument. Sort yes, of. right. And it's like, what? Yeah, because <laughs> we learn during the course of the film that uh, Max Katie, while he was in jail, not only learned how to read, uh, but he studied the law. So he's like, well, so I'm basically a lawyer. Is like, like, what he says at one point. But like, well, he might have taken the LSAT like by mail. I mean, that's a possibility. He didn't really go into that, but um, it's just it's terrifying because like, like at first, like Nick Nolte's like, okay, we're gonna get the police involved. Um, Jessica Lange's dog is poisoned. But they can't prove that he was in the house. They can't prove that he did it. But they're pretty, they're like 99.9% sure he did it. But and they, when you can't trust the cops, yeah, you gotta go somewhere else. So he hires a private detective who is not very good at his job. This has got to be the highest bill that Joe Don Baker has ever had in an Oscar-nominated movie. 
You think so? <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I love Joe Don Baker, but like, you know, he's not number four on a call sheet. <laughs> uh, or yeah. maybe number five. Number five, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I, uh, and I, again, great performance from yeah. Joe Don. Uh, he, there's a reason that you know that name. He can deliver. And also, I like the fact that while everybody else is freaking out and losing their minds over their dog dying, being attacked, hiring people to attack somebody, yes, or, or just like their sense of like safety and morality crumbling, this is where Jonan lives. Yeah, like, right. Like he's completely satisfied and happy about this. And I love that scene between him and, and uh, De Niro on the docks when De Niro's trying to intimidate him with his usual, oh, I'll buy that lunch. Yeah, right. The gentleman over there. Yeah, right. This is how I scare people. Yeah. I, I give them money. I, yeah. I <laughs> buy them goes, food. He goes out of the docks and like, and Jonan's like, all right, stop screwing around. Get out of town. You're going to be in trouble. You threatening me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm threatening you. That's yeah. exactly what's going on. Right. Oh, well, maybe you can do this. And he's just not scared of him at all. He should be because he's a movie villain and a serial killer. But right. <laughs> and he'll be wearing your skin later. But, right. But I, I just like the fact that he's like, yeah, buddy, you know, there's a lot of people that are mean and, and break the law. And, and uh, I'm also one of them. So <laughs> you're not dealing with uh, a, 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 a handball playing lawyer now. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, my God. Can oh, we, we got to mention Eliana Douglas, yeah, too. Yeah, she was also fantastic. Yes. Um, so there's this woman who who is a law clerk who uh, Nick Nolte um, works with, and they, they play handball together. Apparently, they really get along. She's flirtatious with him. He's flirtatious back. She's really into him, and he's like, oh, we, we can't do this anymore. And she's like, we're not doing anything. But Yet. Yeah, yet. So there's this idea, and then we find out later that he's been unfaithful to his yeah, wife. Yeah, you get the senses that this is how this his infidelity start. Yeah, yeah, right. But she's, you know, she's, she's really cute and she's quite a bit younger than him. But anyways, um, of course, Max Katie knows about her because he's been following Nick Nolte and he knows, like, everything about him. How did he... How did he uh, uh, gain his uh, mad following people skills? Good question. I mean, he, he hasn't driven a car in 14 years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a really good point. But, like, somehow he, he works it out, manipulates it, so he's at, like, the same bar that, um, what's her, her name? I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, that, um, the, the court clerk is at, um, one night, and she's, she's mad at Nick Nolte because he stood her up, and, like, so she's, like, feeling reckless, and she's been drinking a lot, and he straight up tells her that he was in prison, and she laughs, and she thinks it's funny, and she thinks it's a joke, and he lies about why he was in prison. Right. I can't remember the, what he said. He said something like about the key. I was at a protest. Yeah, right. Yeah, I right. started a fight yeah. and then I got arrested yeah. and I was in prison for a, a while. A cop was was beating a woman and I and I you know popped him one. So. Yeah, <laughs> and then and we, that's how I got 14 years of prison tents in right. uh, a three year uh, uh, assault on a cop. Bit. Right, right. <laughs> and then we fast forward and she 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 takes him home. And, like, they're about to have sex, and she still thinks this is fun, and this is funny, and he handcuffs her, and then he starts viciously beating her. It is horrific. And then we see her the next day. She's in the hospital. She's, not only has she been beaten, but she's been raped. But she doesn't want to press charges. Yeah, there is a, uh, I don't know if if it's examined poorly uh, or not enough, but they brought it up. But Mm -hmm. there is a, uh, a thread, an undercurrent of... 
um, of institutional misogyny. Yes. That is not. I don't know. Maybe it's explored just enough. I don't know. But I feel like it's not explored enough, Mm -hmm. especially when it's so important to the story. Yes. You know, the original reason that he goes, Katie goes to jail in the first place is that Nick Nolte has the information. He's got the police reports and everything. And he reads the police reports and sees, like, what a monster Katie is. And he's suspected to have done this to other people. Yes. And he also gets a report, (laughs) like like an interview... Uh, where they find out that the victim was promiscuous. Yes. And who says who? Right. First of all, so. Second of all, says who. Right. But she's just, bam, been stamped promiscuous. And yeah. that will be exculpatory, I guess, for this brutal rape. Yeah. Or at least will reduce his time. And so right. Nolte buries him. Yes. And Nolte does confront that later on when he is really having to face... You know, he's really sensing the danger. Um, he does make a comment about how, like, you know, I got rid of this thing, and, and like, it didn't, I mean, it wouldn't have even mattered or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, but, you right. know, this is still baked into the system that we're talking about, the system that we want to defend, that you are being punished by the movie for violating your, your, your duties as a lawyer. Right. And then later on, uh, when Ileana Douglas is attacked... She doesn't want to testify mm-hmm. and point him out. She's just going to let it go and, and move out of town because yeah. she doesn't want the other uh, law clerks and people that she work with to yes. side eye her uh, right. day after day after this happens. And it's just like the movie takes all those things completely for granted. And yep. this isn't the '60s one. This is the '90s one. I know, and I'm a little disturbed by that. And like she was like, I don't want to talk about like what I was wearing or how much I had to drink or you know what I mean and it's like it's really depressing and it's super misogynistic and like and like with like like before with the report who cares if a woman is quote unquote promiscuous that doesn't mean that she deserves to get murdered (laughs) raped or beaten or murdered it 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 doesn't mean any it doesn't mean that so yeah the, the movie is kind of dangling that in front of you, but I I don't think it really, I don't don't know, I don't think it's really trying to do a lot with that. Um, I think it's significant that uh, after they, um, they, uh, you know, Katie kills Joe Down Baker and their housekeeper, they jump in the car and and they head head to Cape Fear, and uh, then Katie's, you know, doing a Cape Fear, a Cape Fear, he's doing a Cape Fear! (laughs) Under their uh, car, yes, and they get out there. Like he steals onto their houseboat, and he's like, "This is what it's gonna be. I'm gonna rape the wife and the daughter and kill you." Yep. And I was like, "Oh wow, um, we're like two for two for uh, threatened double rapes this week because we watched yeah. 28 Days Later before that." Yep. Right. And 28 Days Later, even though it's like three movies glued together, it, it kind of is. In that part of it of its movie, yeah, it was trying to make a point about like, why would you want? It's better for the Earth to end than to have uh, Doctor Who and his, and, his, yeah. uh, and his rape cult be yeah. the guys that survive. Right. Um, but this movie is just like, well, it's just a threat. We're we're in the scary right. the scary part of the movie now, so this is just a threat. Right. Of what's going to happen? But you were talking about, um, and then we got into other things, but how uh, Juliet Lewis becomes the hero. Um, once they are on, uh... I mean, we have no indication throughout the entire film that she's... We know she's smart, but why would she suddenly be, like, 
the action hero. I I don't know. I think he throws her in the in the in the in the compartment, and she's like, "Okay, I gotta get these men. Uh, there's gotta be some stuff in here I can use. Is yeah. it a flare gun? Ah, spider fluid. That's good. Use this." Yeah, she finds like a, a old rusty knife. She's like, "This is no good." Um, it, oh yeah, this is not sharp enough. Yeah, right. And then of course he smokes a cigar. That's the most. That, that's a real screenwritery kind of thing. It but, is. I mean, I get works, I guess. Yeah. But. Um, but we just continue on with this, you know, like there, she's, you know, he, it, oh, that's interesting too. It's not like he just slips her porn or something like that. He's like, oh, have you read Henry James? <laughs> like I know. It's like, have you read fancy porn? Because yeah. you're, you're a rich, uh, uh, Southern belle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, uh, we got some time left still. Well, and he's like, have, have you read it yet? And she's like, I memorized part of it. He's like, well, right. And later it becomes, you know her sort of connection in her way to by dipping her toe into the darkness she's able to uh, to speak the language of the of the monster and, and keep him at bay until we can spray him in the face with lighter fluid you know just like in Roland and the dragon right well but I, I have a question for you do you think she actually did memorize it like I think she read it but do you think she actually did memorize it or do you think she just said it said that no I think that she's very smart we're just learning that which is in in crisis. Yeah, yeah, great, right, right. I mean, we, we, we see that she's like, you know, we, we assume she's bright, we see that she's intuitive about what's going on between her parents, but I don't get the sense that she's like super capable <laughs> until the end when no. she's like really capable. Yeah. Let me, let me wheedle this crazy man while I get ready to immolate him. Well, I think she was like, it, it, I think because of her interaction with Katie, which she still kind of thought of was pretty cool up until the point to a certain point and she was like I don't know maybe he didn't kill the dog and he, she says that to her parents and they're like are you freaking crazy but then like um he murdered Graciela the housekeeper and I think that was and, and uh Nick Nolte's friend um the private investigator and I think that was kind of like oh no no he really is a murderer he really is a weirdo and uh, I really do need to be afraid of him that's her crisis yes the, thre- um, the threshold is the gumdrop house that she meets the next Katie in. That was that was a little much, wasn't it? I it's mean, a choice. It, it, it's a very, yes. It's it a, choice. a choice. He's gonna huff and puff and blow it down. Yeah, kinda. It's uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's lucky that the theater was unlocked. Although it's like... Oh, he can do whatever he wants. Also like... It's oh, like he, in the basement. Yeah, he's in the theater. You know, theaters and schools, how you famously have to walk by steam pipes and like through like a, a single bulb cage uh, hallways to get yeah, to the, to the have, theater. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, janitorial supplies in them. Yeah, yeah no, don't trip on that mop. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know, she's going, was... she's, she's going into the bowels. She's going into... Yeah. Earth to be, you know, the devil. What was going on with like the the framing device, which they don't really spend a whole lot of time on? It. It's almost oh, kind of weird. Oh, Scorsese just there. loves. You know, those was she devices. was she like at at like some sort of support group for people who have experienced trauma or something like that? Well, here's the really weird thing, right? So you've got like fairy tale elements in there, and then yeah. at one point in the movie, she talks about how she is supposed to compose this theme about her. Uh, about an experience, you know, and oh, so yeah. So when you bookend it with her going, those days on Cape Fear, we thought they'd never end, or whatever, and later on she's like, boy, you certainly don't want to 
get raped on a houseboat in a storm. Uh, yeah. We're, we're left to wonder, was this all her fiction? Like, did any of this happen? Is this a, a flight of fancy from this oh, budding okay. you know, young mind? I guess I didn't really get that. I wasn't no. <laughs> well, really then, sure what was happening, well, then to they be perfectly cut honest. They should have cut um, it. Then. Because, like, we didn't spend a lot of time. I mean, not like you need to spend, like, a whole lot of time establishing it. But I was just like, I have no idea where we are. I don't know who she's talking to. And then, you know, it's just, it's it's like maybe a minute, if that, at the beginning and at the end. Probably shorter. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, you know, ultimately style uh, trumps... Uh, easily over uh, substance uh, in this film but yeah. god it's a lot of style I mean, it's for, so much style for a guy who you know has made his bones on being a stylish filmmaker um, boy it's it's pretty stylish I mean and you really do like I, I think I said to you at the end of the film like I don't think that what Nick Nolte did like 14 years ago when he was representing De Niro was right but I don't think that that gave uh, Max Cady the right to do what he did to them. Like, he just absolutely tortured these people and, you know, was hell-bent on, on raping and murdering them. Like, thankfully, he didn't rape and murder Nick Nolte and his family. He raped and murdered a lot of other people, killed a dog. Um, so... We don't know what he did to the dog. Yeah, well... He's got an M.O. Well... Um, I, yeah, so... Um, Good, good, good movie. Recommend? I, I would recommend, yes. I like, too, that he didn't... You know, this is set in the South, and it's nominally a courtroom movie in the South. Yes. And we would really squeeze that tube completely empty throughout the 90s with all the Grisham films. Yeah. But it, he didn't... He didn't make it stereotypical, you know, sweaty, Panama hat, you know... Yeah. A ceiling fan type Southern... Like no. law movie, no. Um, those elements are there. Uh, we go to the Bayou or whatever at the end. Yes, I was going to say. It's, <laughs> I was going to mention the Bayou. And but. he's in a seersucker suit, you know, when he starts out. But like, you yeah. still get the. It just, it still, it feels like a hot movie. It feels like a sweaty movie. Yes. And like, it, it's the heat of of passion, but also of guilt and, uh, and fear and fear. <laughs> but nobody wore a cape though. <laughs> Who's got no. the Cape Fear? Yeah, right. They put it on. Uh, you could didn't uh, you could give uh, Gregory Peck's old Southern gentleman a cape, right? Sure. And then yeah. somebody sees it and goes, oh, "That's the Cape Fear." You put it on Max Cady when he's in the Gumdrop House. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably too much. Great. Well, he's Katie, and then Cape should be Katie Fear. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, what a uh, two, uh, you know, slightly flawed, but uh, but ultimately Good very films. very entertaining, yeah, and edifying films, yeah. So we did it. Yes, we did. No more crap until next week. Yeah, right. Can't make that promise. See what I can never promise that. Yeah, right. But yeah, satisfying. Yes. What if we flipped it and then for the next show we watch the new Fright Night? And the, and the old, old Cape, Cape Fear. Fear. I mean, we could do that. We don't you, do that, though. No, we don't do so that. So you'll never hear us talk about these films <laughs> ever again, because we got to move on. There's so much COVID. Yes. And so many videos. That's right. <laughs> Use disinfectant. Wash your hands. Yes. Wear, wear a mask. mask. Remember when you couldn't distant. touch your nose and face? Yeah. And then, they're, they're, then later they're like, that's yeah, probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, well, I mean... Go back and watch YouTube videos, like, around the time of, you know, March, early April. And everybody's like, oh, no, I, I touched my face. Yeah. Hey, fine. Don't touch your face so much, you know? Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. But, you know, stay stay healthy and stay yes. safe. And I wanna hear... I wanna hear...